93,055 downloads, 3,901 minutes published, 49 inspiring guests, four bonus episodes, and 100 episodes of It's About Time. Hey friends, pop the champagne, pass the peppermint mochas, and welcome to episode 100 of It's About Time, a podcast sharing stories and strategies about work, life, and balance. I'm your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick, and I seriously can't believe that I've just welcomed you to episode 100. I can still remember the way I felt the morning of December 2nd, 2019. I was nervous. I was excited. I was hopeful that I'd created something that could be helpful. And now, today, at the 100 episode mark, I'm not nervous, but I am excited. I continue to be hopeful that I'm putting episodes into the world that are helpful. But most of all, I'm grateful that so many of you have come alongside me, tuned in, learned together, and created this It's About Time community. The past two months of my life have been so incredibly hectic. Transitioning from being a full-time business owner to being the full-time head of community for Clockwise, while still producing the podcast and serving my clients, navigating the before and the after of Hurricane Ida in Louisiana, plus the usual adventures, trips to the emergency room, sick days at home, you know, the joys and discomforts of being a parent. After an extended period of high stress, eyes crossed from staring at the computer screen and just trying to figure things out, I'm finally beginning to feel like myself again. And it feels good. It feels really good good. If we're friends on Instagram, and especially if we're close, you know that anytime I'm under intense stress, I tend to withdraw. I just go quiet for a bit, doing my best to process and work through whatever is going on behind the scenes. I feel like I reappeared in Instagram stories last week for the first time in forever, and that felt really good too. As much as I am a verbal processor, I love to talk things out. I have a hard line at processing in public. There's a big difference between being authentic on social media and simply oversharing. And I'm all about sharing the mess, but not while I'm knee deep in it, still trying to figure things out. And I really appreciate that you understand that. So celebrating 100 episodes today feels like perfect timing. I feel like I can actually savor this moment and enjoy this milestone. I feel like I can celebrate this win. So today in episode 100, I'm sharing 10 things I've learned from recording 100 episodes of It's About Time. So technically, it's 104 if you count the four bonus episodes, 105 if you count the trailer, which could probably use a refresh now that we're 100 episodes in. I'll tell you about how routines and processes help me press publish every week. You'll hear what I really think about the word hustle. And finally, I'll reveal what to expect for the next 100 episodes of It's About Time. 
And because I know you're probably making the most of your time and listening in the car while you're running errands or you're doing stuff around the house, it might be a little inconvenient for you to stop what you're doing and take notes. Don't worry, I've got you covered. As you can imagine, I'm mentioning a lot of past episodes during this walk down memory lane for It's About Time, and you can find links to each one I mention over in the show notes. Today's show notes can be found over at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 100, 100. All right, it's about time we get started, so let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. Okay, episode 100, let's dive right in. First big lesson, you just have to start. I even dedicated episode one of It's About Time to sharing what I'd learned so far about how to start. And it's basically this, there will never be a right time to start something that's big, new, and scary, and you will rarely feel totally ready. But diving in, figuring out the bones of what you need to know, learning and shifting is so much better than waiting and waiting and waiting until you feel right and you know everything. Spoiler alert, you will never know everything. Back in August, September 2019, when I decided to go all in on starting this podcast, there was so much I didn't know. And you might have heard me tell this story before, but instead of getting super caught up in learning all of the things and making all of the decisions and doing all of the research, I only allowed myself to take one podcasting course, Jenna Kutcher's The Podcast Lab. And when I Googled things or watched YouTube videos to figure out how to do this, I made myself stop after one or two articles instead of getting caught up in a rabbit hole of search results and different perspectives and ideas about how things should be done. I figured out what I needed to know and I kept moving. I found that the same strategy works really well in other areas of life. Cooking. We can easily go down a rabbit hole finding just the right recipe. Transitioning into my new role as head of community at Clockwise, I could have spent forever in onboarding and learning mode because there's always something else that can be read, analyzed, and researched. But at some point, there had to be a transition. There had to be a turning point from learning to doing. Shopping for clothes, again, we could keep looking for the perfect, comfortable, yet trendy, casual sneaker until the end of time. I'm speaking for myself because that was my most recent purchase. (laughs) And especially in parenting, it feels like there are an infinite number of parenting philosophies, sleep training methods, ideas about discipline, time out, education. At some point, you gotta just pick something and keep moving. So let's keep moving to number two. 
I've learned how important it is to ask for help. This is definitely a throwback all the way back to episode two featuring Lauren Barbalich. For a quick refresher, Lauren owns Truly Hot, a growing event rentals company based in Baton Rouge that specializes in candlelight. She's also a full-time paralegal with the Louisiana Attorney General's office working on some of the most high-profile cases in not just the state, but the country. Ask her about her visit to the Supreme Court next time you see her. Oh, and she's also a mom to three adorable cotton top kids. Lauren openly admitted during our conversation that she can't do all that she does without different forms of help. Family, friends, childcare, supportive and understanding coworkers, and an amazing team. But the topic of asking for help has come up time and time again from my most successful guests, like coach and speaker Ashley Joy in episode 94, who shared the importance of building your own personal board of directors to have as a sounding board as you navigate work and life. When I was growing up, I hated asking for help. In fact, back in fourth grade, my mom would talk with my best friend, Amanda's mom, Miss Nancy. And Miss Nancy would ask my mom, so have y'all been studying for the big math test or something along those lines? And my mom would reply with something like, wait, there's a math test? I hated asking for help. And for some reason, even back in fourth grade, I felt like I was supposed to do everything on my own or it didn't count. Now, how many of us have felt that way? Taking that same overly independent philosophy into adulthood or parenting or our jobs. If I don't do this all on my own, then it doesn't count. Then I didn't earn it. Y'all, that could not be further from the truth. We need each other. We need support. We need a village. We need mentors and guides and others to help show us the way lend us a hand, speak up on our behalf, and take things off our plate. It's taken me a hundred episodes to finally begin training someone else to take pieces of producing this podcast off my plate. When you care so deeply about something, it can feel impossible to trust someone enough to let them take the reins. But you can't grow unless you have the time and the mental space to be the visionary. I talked about what it means to be the visionary back in episode 34, but basically being the visionary in your life, business, or career means that you're making the space to create a vision for the future, identify your priorities, and set the goals that actually help you make that vision a reality. And you can't be the visionary if you're always in the weeds. So how do you get out of the weeds? You ask for help. So, my friend, if you're in the weeds, stop feeling like you have to do it all yourself. Ask for help. One thing that makes asking for help exponentially easier, well, I guess it's a few things, but they're all related, and that's routines, systems, and processes. So, number three is create a system, process, or routine whenever possible. Now, don't let the sound of systems and processes intimidate you. 
You don't have to have a 37-point detailed instruction manual in place in order to ask for help with something. You might even have systems and processes that are so ingrained in your life that you don't even realize it. Before I ever pressed published on episode one of It's About Time, I took time to design the step-by-step process for creating an episode, start to finish, from idea to outline to recording to publishing to capturing the analytics at the end of the month. Having that process in place from the very beginning is what's made it possible for me to keep creating episodes week after week. I'm never reinventing the wheel. I'm never having to remember the steps. I'm just moving from step one to step two, all the way to step 177. And yes, there are 177 steps to producing a single one of my episodes. (laughs) Having a system, process, or routine in place for the repeatable parts of your life helps you get into a groove. You're able to put yourself on a good kind of autopilot, like I talked about in episode 62, which was all about habits and routines. Having this system is what has made transitioning parts of the podcast over to my marketing assistant, Maddie, so much easier. Sure, there have been hiccups along the way, as expected. My process was designed for one person, not for two, so we're having to do some rearranging to make it a two-person process, but having a starting point has made our collaborations so much easier. The same thing goes for something as simple as having a checklist for a babysitter. Instead of standing at the door trying to think of everything to tell the babysitter before you head out while the kids are screaming and you're running late for your dinner reservation, could you create a bedtime checklist instead? Or better yet, make a babysitter binder with everything they need. Would you trust your husband or your kids with doing the laundry if there were a step-by-step checklist to follow taped up to the wall in the laundry room? Or actually, just let Hamper do your laundry instead. You've probably heard me mention this before, but Hamper is the on-demand laundry service that we use a few times a month to outsource our laundry. If you're curious about Hamper, go to tryhamper.com, that's H-A-M-P-R.com, and use the code ABOUTTIME50 to save 50% on a Hamper membership. Anyway, spending the time up front to create a routine, a system, or a process makes life so much easier. It helps you put yourself on the good kind of autopilot, and it sets you up for success if you want to outsource, delegate, or ask for help. Okay, y'all, so I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. 
I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules, and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you wanna know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at annadcornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. Okay, on to number four. I've learned that you can still have a plan even when things feel uncertain. I was talking with a client recently, Sherry, who hired me to speak to her leadership development group for business owners. She shared that she found my podcast recently but decided to start all the way back at episode one and listen chronologically. And one thing she told me on our phone call is that she hadn't made it to the pandemic yet, and she was looking forward to seeing how my episodes would reflect the change that we all experienced together in March of 2020. (sighs) I still remember the anxiety and the uncertainty of March 2020. I'm sure we all do and would prefer to leave it in the past. But one thing that I leaned on from my past career in crisis communication was that you can still have a plan even when things feel uncertain. In many ways, it's easier to put one step in front of the other when you're operating from a loose plan than it is to constantly wing it. Winging it can get exhausting. Episodes 8 and 9, and also 59, focus on planning with purpose. I love to do a refocus on goal setting each year in December, so we'll do a refresher in a couple months too. I might even plan to lead a live workshop on making your plan for the new year, so let me know if that's something you'd be interested in and stay tuned. But in moments of high stress, of uncertainty, like, you know, a global pandemic, or maybe just when your kids are sick or when you're sick or when you've lost your job or a loved one, You might feel like making a plan or having a plan is pointless. I mean, what's the point of having a plan or a schedule or a routine when it all gets blown to hell constantly? I feel you. I've been there. And I've thought the same thing in those moments of high stress. But when you have a plan and work the plan, letting yourself, your business, career, family, whatever, adapt as needed, you're so much better off than just winging it. Having a plan gives you direction. This is something that business coach Katie Wusso talks about often. Katie was my guest back in episode 69, all about productivity, priorities, and personal goals. Katie is a big believer in having a plan and working the plan, but being ready to adapt as needed. 
She's been one of my favorite guests so far, and I've loved keeping up with her on Instagram since we recorded back in 2020. Definitely go follow her. Episode 69 is one of my most downloaded episodes for a reason. Katie's amazing. Oh, and if you're curious, my most downloaded episode to date is episode 93, quick and easy, seven simple productivity hacks that could change everything. So while I've definitely learned the importance of having a plan, I've also learned that life can shift so dramatically due to life circumstances or even opportunities that it's time for a new plan. And that's okay too. Overhauling the old plan or abandoning it altogether to create a new one feels less daunting when you know your why. And that's number five, know your why. Maybe you're sick of hearing about the importance of knowing your core values by now. Maybe that's not what you signed up for when you decided to tune into a time management podcast. But the truth is, I've been leaning on them a lot in the past few months of big transitions, and I've never been more grateful to have them. Knowing your why and knowing your core values just makes life easier. And that's something I've found over and over again in the course of these 100 episodes. Guests like Sarah Joy Hayes back in episode 22 shared how core values play a huge role in how she makes decisions in her bakery, Counterspace. Rachel Henry in episode 24 recently shared with me how her core values were the foundation for her recent job search and eventually decided which opportunity to pursue and accept because of her core values. So Rachel, if you're listening, congrats on the new job. I keep coming back to them. I keep coming back to core values in episodes, in conversations, in life, because they've served me well. I guess that's another question I should ask you. Do you know your core values? And if you don't, would you like me to walk you through it? You know, maybe that's a future workshop we could do together. When everything changes around you, including the plans you've made, your core values and your why stays the same. They ground you and they keep you focused on the big picture. Number six, I've learned that it's okay to take a break and it's definitely okay. In fact, it's encouraged to rest. And don't just rest when you need it. Rest before you need it. If you've been listening for a while, you know by now that there's burnout in my past. That I worked in a number of pretty nonstop roles on political campaigns, in Congress, in government agencies, managing crisis communications, talking to reporters, and fielding emails and calls from stressed out clients at all hours of the day and night. It was exhausting. And yes, there have even been times in the past 100 episodes where despite my best efforts, despite having a plan and working the plan, despite knowing my why and my core values, life just happens. Kids get sick, I get sick, a hurricane comes, I even had a baby between episodes 70 and 71. (laughs) Life happens, and it is more than okay to take a break. Sometimes, especially in the world of podcasting, it's easy to develop this irrational fear that if you miss a week, everyone will hate you and no one will listen to your show ever again. Well, of course that's not true, because 
I've had to take a break. I've had to skip a week, re-release an old episode, publish on a Tuesday instead of a Monday. And you know what? No one hated me. And you guys continue to tune in. Sure, consistency is awesome. I fully believe that little by little, our progress adds up and it's the slow, intentional growth that's truly sustainable. I'm always so impressed with people who work out every single day, people who write every single day, who meditate or do their quiet time, read their Bible every single day. But even though all of those things are good things, Consistency at the expense of your health and well-being just isn't worth it. And although when I say it's okay to take a break, I'm mostly talking about taking a break from projects, I also mean that it's okay to take a break during your workday, to step away from your desk for a few minutes, especially if you're working from home. Episode 42 is all about the best ways to take a break so you can feel refreshed and keep on rocking and rolling. It's okay to take a break. So if you need one or you want one, take it. That said, I also want you to know that my thoughts about a certain H word have shifted a bit since publishing the first episode of It's About Time. Number seven, Hustle doesn't have to be a bad thing. Coming out of the 24-7 work till you drop world that I was living in before becoming a time management coach, literally, in one of my jobs, my boss told me that it was his expectation that if I start to feel sick, instead of going home, I should sleep under my desk in case he needs me for something. Seriously, that conversation actually happened. I can still picture it. And then at my last full-time job, before I walked away in pursuit of a better way, my boss told me that when she had my job, she got to work at 6 a.m., she left no earlier than 6 p.m., and she lived on Lara bars, so she didn't have to leave her desk. She worked evenings and weekends, and that was also expected of me if I wanted to do the job right. I really wish she had mentioned that in the job interview because that would have been a very noticeable red flag. (laughs) They always save that until you're in the role, right? I should also mention that there was no overtime in this position and my salary was embarrassing compared to what I'd made in previous jobs. Funny enough, I actually accepted that role and the pay cut that came with it because I thought it would be a change of pace, something slower and more enjoyable in the nonprofit arts world. Boy, was I wrong. (laughs) So after all those years and a number of toxic work environments, I had a really negative outlook on the concept of hustle. Hustle was a dirty word, something to be avoided at all costs. And one thing I've learned is that, yeah, hustle can be a dirty word, an unsustainable way of life. But Hustle doesn't have to be all bad. Alyssa Jenkins and Katie Caldwell, real estate agents and hosts of the Hustle Humbly podcast, I talked with them about competition back in episode 14, they're great examples of how hustle can be a good thing. And I shared a lot of my thoughts on hustle, the good, the bad, and the ugly in episode 80, including how that bad kind of hustle can lead to burnout. One thing I've learned from Creative at Heart founder Kat Schmoyer, you might remember her from a bonus episode, 
get excited because she'll be back for a full episode very soon. But one thing I've learned from Kat is that we can have seasons of hustle, intentional hustle, where we're putting in extra hours on a project so we can rest and reap the rewards later. It's like that fable with the grasshopper and the ants. So the ants worked really hard in the summer storing up food to prep for the winter cold. The grasshopper just played his fiddle and danced around or something like that. But back to the ants. The ants weren't hustling year round. They were hustling for a season, for a purpose, so they could rest and reap the rewards later. It's okay to be the ant sometimes. Like in the months leading up to Elizabeth's birth in March, I stepped into an intentional season of hustle, recording interviews and prepping as much as possible, all so I could enjoy that sweet newborn time without worrying how I was going to publish next week's episode while I was sleep deprived and adjusting to life as a mom of two. Hustle as a lifestyle? Not sustainable. Hustle for a season? Totally doable. As long as it's hustle with intention and it ends at some point so you don't descend into burnout. All right, number eight. It's okay to do it your way. A few minutes ago when I was talking about how you just have to start, that the number of resources, articles, courses, leaders, voices, methods, philosophies, well, everything that's out there can feel infinite and overwhelming. What's the best way? How did she do it? What's going to be the most successful method? What's going to work the first time? One of the reasons why I started this podcast is because I wanted to find out how other women, women who seem to be successful go-getters, the ones who seem to have it all together, I wanted to know how they were doing life. What was working for them? I figured that by finding out how women with families, full schedules, and fulfilling lives were doing it, then we could take bits and pieces of information from them to create our own way that works best for us. It's like a time management buffet. I say this all the time, but time management isn't a one size fits all thing. And I can't copy what works for one of my clients and just paste it onto someone else. How we manage our time is unique to all of us. And you have to find your own way even if that looks like test driving a few different methods you learn from someone else. Megan Martin, back in episode 52, was one of my favorite episodes for this. Megan is so inspiring because she and her husband Jeremy aren't subscribing to the cookie cutter mold of the American dream. They've found their own path forward and they aren't afraid to do things their way, even if it seems odd or different to what others are doing. One of my biggest do it my way light bulb moments came early on, before I even published episode one. Over and over again, I read that I should create an outline for an episode, press the record button, and talk from the outline. I tried this, and it felt like a total mess. I'd lose track of what I was saying, I'd flub my words constantly, and it just felt awkward and unnatural. 
And at one point, I thought I'd never succeed as a podcaster because I couldn't talk from an outline. And then it hit me that I didn't have to do it that way. There were other options. Not to mention the fact that I'd spent years in middle school and high school as a prepared public speaker, speaking on stages with memorized words. Words that were still authentic and filled with passion, but scripted. I could do it my way, write out my episodes word for word and read my words with passion and authenticity. I could do it my way and still be successful. You can do it your way. You don't have to do exactly what the book says or the course says. You don't have to follow the path your parents have laid out for you. You don't have to get it perfectly. You can do it your way. And I encourage you to give yourself the space to explore what your way is. Similarly, I encourage you to define what work-life balance means to you. Number nine, work-life balance means something different to everyone, and that's the way it should be. Whenever I was doing initial super scientific Instagram research before I launched It's About Time, before It's About Time even had a name, I took a page from Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and I asked the audience. I wanted to know what words resonated with y'all. And the word balance came up over and over again. And at the time, I wasn't so sure about the word balance. I wasn't sure that work-life balance was real or if it was something we should strive for. I didn't really know what my point of view was at that point. But I listened, and as a result, this is It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. I might not have had a solid point of view yet, but work, life, and balance felt more authentic to me than It's About Time, a podcast about work-life balance. Work-life balance can be a pretty controversial topic, and those differing views were front and center in episode 91. Fact or fiction, the surprising truth about work-life balance. That was one of my favorite episodes to put together. I love all of the voices with different ideas about work-life balance in the very beginning of that episode. In these 100 episodes, I've found that work-life balance is real. In the same way that any abstract concept is real. Halloween is a real thing, even if you don't acknowledge it or celebrate it. Work-life balance is a real concept, regardless of what it means to you. And that's the kicker. What does it mean to you? Our point of view on work-life balance is going to be unique to us because no one else has our work or our life. You can't just create a blanket definition or set of guidelines or a checklist and expect it to apply to everyone. So I encourage you to think about what work-life balance means to you. And if that feels weird, think instead about what your ideal week or your ideal day would look like. Think about the story that you want to tell when you're 80 years old, sitting in a rocking chair on your front porch, sipping sweet tea. That vision, that's the first step to uncovering your idea of work-life balance or work-life harmony, like Logan Dory's in episode 10, 
work-life rhythm, like Cece Sutton in episode 43, work-life integration, or whatever work-life philosophy you prefer. And if you're looking for even more work-life inspiration, check out episode 75 featuring Adenola Adishola, which focused on redefining work-life balance, and episode 79 featuring C.G. Townsend, whose philosophy is all about being balanced, not busy. Oh, and by the way, congratulations to C.G. and her family who recently welcomed a baby girl. All right, here we go. Bringing it home with number 10. I've learned over 100 episodes that I absolutely love creating this podcast week after week. I love crafting episodes that speak to your frustrations, your struggles, and what's on your mind. I love talking with amazing women like Leanne Moss, Sarah Becker, Sarah West, Kristen Recupero, and Danielle Byer-Jackson to find out how they do life to see what we can learn from them. When I launched It's About Time in 2019, I never dreamed of the friendships, partnerships, collaborations, and opportunities that would come from this. Every time I publish an episode, I'm filled with so much pride for what we've created here. Every time I read a new review, I'm bursting with joy that I've made an impact on someone's life. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I have to get up early or stay up late to make an episode happen on time. Sometimes life happens and I need to take a break. And sometimes, especially recently, I've had to ask for help to keep it going. But I don't see an end in sight. I love asking questions. I love digging into time management topics. I love learning from other go-getter women and connecting with you who actually make this possible because you tune in week after week. I'm celebrating episode 100 as a win, and I encourage you to celebrate your wins too. Big wins, small wins, all the wins. When you take a moment to step back, acknowledge your progress, where you started and how far you've come, it keeps you motivated and it keeps you moving forward toward that next step, that next goal and the next win. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to put this show out into the world each week. And I'm thankful to you for tuning in and being a fan. So there you have it. 10 things I've learned in 100 episodes of It's About Time. Cheers to you for being a part of this adventure and cheers to the next 100 episodes. As always, all the details from today's episode can be found in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 100. And before we go, let me tell you a little bit about next week's episode, episode 101. Communication is everything. From what we say to our coworkers, to clear communication with our friends and family, clear communication builds stronger relationships and opens the door to new opportunities in our lives. Next week's guest, Dr. Melissa Thompson, is a consultant, coach, and interpersonal communication expert. She's a TEDx organizer, a speaker coach, and an all-around lovely human being. I cannot wait for you to meet her next week, so don't miss episode 101. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in, and thank you for celebrating with me. 
I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.